Sea to shining sea, across the fruited plain, the land of the free and the home of the brave is denied permission to talk about, hear about, read about real news. Denied by three corporations with ties to our political enemies. Where do you get your doses of the truth? TNN, the Truth News Network. And your anchor is Dan Newman. And of course, those three big corporations Pete Moss mentioned in the opening are the biggies, Google, who else? Twitter and Facebook. Just think about it just for a moment. We won't spend much time on these thoughts, but this just came to mind to me. Think about the impact that Facebook, Twitter, and Google, and all of Google's products, you know, YouTube specifically, but uh, they're search engine. Think about the impact those three corporations have had in your life and then multiply that by billions. That's how many people around the world are using Facebook, Twitter, and Google. Yeah, they play a big role, folks, and uh, they're not arbiters of the truth. Nobody in any of those three big corporations really cares about giving everybody truthful information and preventing people from purposely putting out evil and untruthful information. They're actually facilitating it for political purposes. Yeah, we're fighting some folks that are very powerful, folks. And when I say fighting... No, we're not out on the streets with guns and knives and we're not screaming and hollering and threatening. We're not doing that. But what we are doing is trying to find ways to make sure that what those three biggies and all the other ones in the information world are giving to us are factual. And we just don't get that very much. I don't think anybody reasonably could disagree with that. We don't get that much. And today, more and more and more and more illustrations in the marketplace of ideas that verify we're not getting much truth. I mean, just a little bitty thing. You heard, of course, in the John Durham investigation into everybody and everything involved in the source of the Russia collusion hoax. As Donald Trump told us before it ever began, it was the Russia collusion hoax. And guess what? Every day now, we're finding out more and more information that verifies what Donald Trump said was truthful, and everybody on the other side, including folks, the FBI director, 19 sycophant, hardcore leftist Democrat attorneys that were hired by Robert Mueller, they all went down the rabbit trail of collusion, and they couldn't find anything. They couldn't find a thing. My phone is ringing, and uh, I'm not going to answer it. But anyway, um, it's my son. <laughs> that doesn't happen. He knows we're live at night. Anyway, uh, John Durham has found and proven already and just limited access to the stuff that went on in that Russia collusion, and certainly not a bunch of cooperation from people on the inside. He's found out that the Hillary Clinton was not only involved in it, her organization st- 
started the whole thing, actually began and put together and paid for the instrument that initiated the entire Russia collusion hoax, the Steele dossier. And we found out overnight the guy that was arrested yesterday, the Russian national, was the ploy that the Clinton Foundation and the Clinton campaign used to initiate, sowed the seeds of disinformation. And there were so many people on the left that were all in for everything leftist and everything to do with the name Clinton that they just foamed at the mouth when people in the Clinton organization said, hey, we've got some juicy information on Donald Trump. You're not going to believe this and just put it out there. And of course, the lapdogs of the left and the likes of the New York Times, the Washington Post, and of course, MSNBC and CNN and ABC News, CBS News. They all chimed in and never did any real investigation. They just built their news and perpetrated it for two and a half years. In fact, they're still going with it. Trump colluded with Putin. Putin is who won that election in 2016. No way that Hillary Clinton lost that election fair and square. You know, we never talked about or called that whole thing that went on for four years and in fact is still going on that Trump colluded with Putin to win the 2016 election. That is the big lie. What are you saying, Dan? There was cheating in the 2020 election? Folks, every day now, more information comes out that says, yeah, there was cheating. Well, the how, you know, there, there were, surely were a few people that cheated. Definitely not enough to change the results of the election. How much cheating and voting in election is okay with you? I mean, one, two, thousand, hundred thousand, half a million? It appears, folks, there is a likelihood that millions of votes that were counted and were added into the tally that was sufficient to turn the Electoral College voting over with that victory to Joe Biden, it could be millions, and we may never know. Why? Because all those hard leftists that are in the pockets of the big-time governor governing people in Washington, D.C., they're not going to talk about it. They're not going to pursue it. They're not going to look into it. They want to cover it all up and keep whatever was there and how much ever is there, keep it hidden from the American people. Yeah, that's the world we live in on Friday, November the 5th, 2021, looking down the barrel in less than a year now, looking down the barrel of the gun called the 2022 midterm elections and the roaches are scrambling like they haven't in a long time. Why? Because of what happened in Virginia and what almost happened in New Jersey. And by the way, regarding a full recount in New Jersey, which is not automatically triggered in a close race, which most other states have that trigger, Um, It's going to be interesting to watch and see. Bill on Fox News, the guy I think that has the absolute best mind when it comes to analysis of voting within states, especially Bill Hemmer, 
he actually brought up early Wednesday morning when he first went on the air live on his show talking about that election and the results in uh, New Jersey. Of course, the one that was claiming all the headlines in the airtime was what happened in Virginia. But in New Jersey, Chris Murphy, um, I mean, a star in the Democrat Party as governor, but a hardcore leftist sycophant in office, top-down legislation, exemptions for himself and all his cronies. He comes out of the financial world, the big-time financial world, and did all his work and probably still does other than the work he does as governor. Did it all in Manhattan in the financial district. Hemmer pointed something out that in just a matter of a few hours, all of a sudden in the vote counting for New Jersey, there was a quick, big drop of votes that plopped over on Chris Murphy and changed everything. And he asked the question, I wonder what that one drop was all about. I wonder, I would like to know what went into that bundle of votes that just suddenly appeared all at one time for Chris Murphy. And the wheels began to turn. Don't tell me there was not a lot of voting irregularity in 2020. It's just, were there enough votes that were illegally cast or illegally counted? Because there was a lot of those, you know, the ones that came out of the suitcase from under the table in Atlanta. If that happened in Atlanta, Georgia, and it's been proven it didn't, those people, those two that were implicated in that were very quietly fired for doing just that. If it happened in Atlanta, you don't think it happened in blue state back room in the election counting systems around their counties and cities? You don't think that happened? You know it happened. Was it enough to change the results? I don't know. Have no idea. And what's sad, folks, is the folks that were caught up in that whole process in 2020 and maybe the other night, Tuesday night, maybe enough to make a difference in those elections. And nobody, I I say nobody, that's not truthful. There are a lot of people that have awakened and are are pushing back against this cancel culture thing. You know, if you talk about there being any voting irregularity in 2020, you're immediately branded and you're put away. If you're in mainstream media, look what happened at all of the big conservative news sites, including starting with Fox News and their reporting on the inequities that they found out were going on in the run-up to the coat. Uh, the vote counting in 2020. Look what happened to them. They won't even let you talk about the possibility of that election and those results being tainted. Fox News won't. One American News won't anymore. Newsmax won't anymore. You know why? Because hard left big corporations that buy a lot of advertising on those networks put them all on notice and said, hey, You go down this rabbit trail, you go down this road, this conspiracy thing about the 2020 election results, we're pulling our advertising. Look what happened to the MyPillow man. Look what happened to his business. Because he's the one that very outwardly, vocally came out and started chasing down facts and statistics and numbers. Did a one-hour show documented with statistics with experts that watched 
what happened the night of the 2020 election, November 3rd, what happened with the vote tallies that around our nation, all of a sudden, everything that was done in Dominion voting systems were uploaded to servers overseas. Who knows what was done when they went over there? But the big question, why, oh why, did any vote results whatsoever for any reason leave the voting machines in the precincts where they were being used to vote? Nobody can give you a good answer for that. I haven't heard one. When it quacks and waddles, it's always a duck. And when it's a cheater, it's always going to be cheating. I didn't even think about getting off on this tangent to start this show. I'm sorry, but it's out there, folks. And I can tell you this. I'm not worried about anybody getting mad at us here but for telling the truth and pointing out something that is out there. I'm not telling you there was cheating, not going there. I'm saying there's tremendous amount of evidence. And if there's the stuff that we see and know about, if it's sufficient to really raise some big questions about the validity of our election system, just imagine how much there really is if we could peel back the covers and get the truth. And it's sad that here we are, now we're talking about the 2016 election. That's what we're, the first thing we talked about this morning. Folks, it's 2021, five years later, and we're still not knowledgeable of just how much cheating, how much criminality there was in the run-up to the 2016 election, yet alone doing a legitimate look-see into what happened in the 2020 election. And uh, Nancy Pelosi, who is the dictatorial Speaker of the House for American history. There's never been one like her. Look at what she's done. This January 6th panel. They've interviewed 150 people so far. And what have they found, Dan? We don't know what they found. They're not going to tell us anything till afterwards. Do you think do you possibly consider, and if you if you are, why would you? Would you consider that there is any negativity that has come out of that committee that you don't already know about? Why would we do that? Why would they do that, Dan? Why would they tell us before the results are all in? Folks, this is not about results. This is about news stories. This is about news bulletins. This is about grabbing anything and everything they can use against conservatives that start at the top of today's conservatism and politics, which is the Trump folks. If there was any dirt, they would have flooded the airways with it before the elections in Virginia and New Jersey. That's just a fact, folks. They don't have anything. And it's not about substance. It's about making noise. There was one person that was shot and killed on January 6th. They're not investigating any of the circumstances surrounding that. This blue panel committee that Pelosi put together, they're not about that. They're not about equal justice under the law. They're looking to do and find out things that the FBI and the Department of Justice apparently were incapable of finding because they've arrested 600 people already. 600 people. 
We're talking about a congressional panel. They don't have the power and authority to go get somebody and make them come testify. They're not in this for the rule of law. They're not in this for justice. They're in it to try to find ways to keep Donald Trump from even thinking about running for president again in 2024. And guess what else Pelosi's doing today? You know that monstrous budget reconciliation bill they've been arguing with the Republicans about and the American people for weeks and weeks, even months now? 2,000 pages. 2,000 pages. And we find out, we were notified overnight, hey, they're going to bring it up and vote on it today. You know when the actual text was released to the 435 members of the House of Representatives? for them to start tearing it apart and investigating it and asking questions and getting answers. You know when they got that text? Last night. They got 2,000 pages of the biggest spending bill in American history. And percentage-wise, the biggest pork bill in American history. They got all of it last night. Going to vote on it today in the House. Not one person, not one, not one out of 435 will be able to say, I read it, I digested what in it, what's in it, and therefore my vote is going to represent what I found out, what I verified, I know what's in it. Additionally, the CBO, the Congressional uh, Budget Office, There's a requirement that any spending bill has to be scored. In other words, they have to tear it apart, protecting the American people and saying, here's what it's going to cost. They're not even doing that. Nancy Pelosi, dictator, not House Speaker, maybe it should be dictatorous. I wonder if that's politically correct. Somebody asked me the other day, do you think Nancy Pelosi is in cahoots with Satan. And I kind of snickered and said, I have no idea. Well, the follow-up question to me was, do you think they talk to each other? And I said, I think, I don't think they talk to each other. I know they're on each other's speed dial. You can't say that, Dan. This is a news site. You're supposed to talk about the news. That is the news, folks. If I found out someday that Nancy Pelosi was a saint, Uh, I would have to apologize to Satan. (laughs) Oh, it's not funny, folks, but if you don't snicker, you're going to laugh. This will tell you how nutty this is. Last night, what we do in preparation for the next day's TNN Live show, usually late, 10 or 10.30, um, I'll do a skim across the latest news headlines and the stories that are going to be big enough, I'll copy and paste the link to that story, and I put it in a spreadsheet. And I did last night, and the one that I was going to reference when we talked about this spending bill and it coming up before the House for consideration in a vote, they were predicting it would be next Thursday. (laughs) I wake up this morning, they're doing it today. That's how our government works, folks. They want to spend a couple of trillion dollars and do it on a whim and do it with a bill that Nobody knows what's in it. 
Nobody knows what's in it. But this isn't the first time this has happened. Remember back in 2010? No, 2009. Maybe, maybe they didn't get it done until 2010. I'm talking about Obamacare. Nancy famously got up at the podium in her weekly um, press briefing, and they ask about passing the bill, what's in the bill, and Nancy laughed and said, hey, <laughs> we just have to pass the bill so we can then find out what's in it. That's the way you govern from the left. Don't ask any questions. Just listen to what we tell you to do, and when it's your turn to say yes or no, say yes or no, and look at me before you respond so I can make sure and you can make sure you're saying yes and no at the right times when you vote. So the story that we were referencing that we were going to talk about was published 16 hours ago. I just threw it away. (laughs) It's obsolete. That's how quick in the Pelosi Congress things change. So whatever else is going on here, well, Where's President Biden in all of this? He does when he gets a microphone and gets a TV camera. He'll talk about it and encourage people. Guess what he's been doing? He's been on the phone calling every Democrat in Congress in the House, begging them to vote for his $1.75 trillion Build Back Better Act. Think about that. Now, I was just told that Pelosi, when she announced they're going to bring the bill up today, right now they're in Congress working on it, getting it ready to go, bring it up today um, and vote on it today. The newest language that comes out from Speaker Pelosi's office, the words are this. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, Democrat of California, tentatively scheduled to vote on the Build Back Better Act or the Democrat Social Welfare and Climate Change Spending Reconciliation Act. It's been, we've been told, four previous times, hey, we're going to bring it up for a vote and we're going to pass it. And she will not let any bill be voted on if she is not confident before she schedules it that it's going to pass. So we were told early this morning. It's going to be voted on today. And now, here we are a couple of hours later, and the official story is that it is tentatively scheduled to vote on. And of course, Biden has pinned his entire legislative agenda on his passing not just this bill, but another $1.2 trillion Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act is what he calls that. So what they're trying to do quickly, I mean, in the next few days, is get the $1.75 trillion Build Back Better Act passed, which is really closer to $3 trillion. On top of that, the $1.2 trillion Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. Both of them are full of hard leftist ideas and philosophies and promises. We do know that. The details? Ah, devil's in the details we hear. Well, guess what? I will bet you in both of these bills, if and when we ever get to peruse through them to get facts, we're going to find out we're getting raped by the Democrat caucus. 
in the House and the Senate. Novel idea. Wouldn't it be wonderful if everything they voted on, like if they call it um, an infrastructure bill, that everything in it is about infrastructure? As, let's say, Webster's Dictionary defines the term infrastructure. I hadn't looked at that. Let's look at that together real quickly. Let's look at uh, definition of infrastructure. Infrastruct, infrastructure, and I'm going to put government. Because there's all kinds of other types of infrastructure. Let's see what Webster's has to say about it. Infrastructure definition. What is infrastructure? Infra- and I haven't looked at this. I'm going to give it to you verbatim. Infrastructure is the general term for the basic physical systems of a business or a government or a region or a nation. Examples of infrastructure include transportation systems, communication networks, sewage, water, and electric systems. These systems tend to be capital-intensive and high-cost investments and are vital to a country's economic development and prosperity. Here's a novel idea. What if uh, uh, Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi all got together and said, hey, let's do an infrastructure bill. Well, how much money we want to invest? Well, we don't have any. We're going to have to borrow anything that we put in it. But we've got some really tough infrastructure hurdles to climb. Why don't we, why don't we say... Um, Instead of, you know, really going grandiose and doing like $1.75 trillion, why don't we just do $900 billion? okay? And both of them say, is that going to be enough? Well, if you look at the budget they brought us for roads and bridges and high-speed internet, things like that, sewage, our power grid, yeah, we could do it for a little under a trillion dollars. And they said, okay, we'll get in the details later, but here's what we're going to do. We're not going to put anything in this bill that isn't part of what the definition of infrastructure is in Webster's Dictionary. Anything that's not mentioned there, we're not going to fund. You know what? If they would do that, first of all, we'd get it passed almost unanimously. But secondly, we'd get a lot of infrastructure stuff done. And no money would go in anybody's pockets. There would be nothing in it that is a giveaway. I mean, come on, folks. In their infrastructure bill, it includes giving money to illegal aliens. Giving illegal aliens a path to citizenship. And that has nothing to do with infrastructure. Every bill that is even put before this Congress under a Pelosi-Schumer House and Senate. Every bill that comes out there is what's called an omnibus bill, which means it covers all kind of stuff that has nothing to do with what the name of the bill is. And you know why they do that. They don't want the American people to know the contents of these bills, and so they want us to concentrate on 
This is infrastructure. We've got to have, oh, our roads and bridges and overpasses are just deteriorating beyond measure. We can't even explain it or understand it. we got to do this. We have people that live way out in the country that have no internet. It's hard for anybody to live without internet. Our power grid, it's got to be upgraded. If they would do and fix and take care of all of those things that are infrastructure, we'd be fine. If every bill that is presented in Congress is for specific purposes and nothing else but what the context of the bill, each bill is supposed to be and contain, we wouldn't be $30 trillion in debt, folks, because most of, if not all of the pork, would never show up. And if it ever did show up, it wouldn't make any difference because nobody's going to vote for it. They would amend the snot out of whatever proposed bill there is, and none of this would ever get a vote. But we don't do that. Ooh, we're not going to do that. We got to fill them with all kind of goodies. We got to pay back all those lobbyists and their clients from Wall Street. And we got to make it good for China. <laughs> we got to open doors for Putin. That's how desperate this president is. He's been on the phone calling members of the House of Representatives, begging them to vote yes. And he's not calling Republicans, folks. He's calling people in his own political party that are saying, hey, did you see what happened the other night in Virginia, Mr. President? Do you see what happened? Virginia, of all places, they elected a Republican for governor. <laughs> they elected an African-American legal immigrant to be their lieutenant general. They elected a Hispanic guy, <laughs> all Republicans, to be their attorney general. Think about that. Never, been, never happened before in the state of Virginia. Why did it happen? People are looking, people are watching, and people are making decisions based upon facts. How many times do you think Joe Biden, when he's made phone calls the last 24 hours, begging Democrats to vote yes? How many times do you think Biden has heard this? Mr. President, I've got to run for re-election in 11 months. <laughs> Every member of Congress does, by the way every member of the House of Representatives, every two years. They all got to run for re-election. Do you want in my state, in my district, the same thing that happened in Virginia Tuesday night? Do you want that to happen to me? If I can't get re-elected, I can't do you any good. And if I'm going to get my people in my district to vote for me, I can't give them any confirmation that this omnibus bill you call a re budget reconciliation bill is good for our district. I can't do it. It's got too much stuff in it that has nothing to do with infrastructure. It has nothing to do with the legitimate budget for the federal government. How many times do you think he's heard that? And all it takes is a handful to blow it up. It's going to be interesting to watch today to see what the progress, if there is any, if Pelosi has any success and getting this, this thing passed. And then, 
of course, then it's got to go over to the Senate. It will if it does. It will never. It may eventually get passed in some format, but it will never contain all of what's in the House bill. In fact, I was told the House, the Democrats in the House, the caucus, what they're doing is trying to find ways for every little snippet, every little giveaway in that bill to structure it so that the Senate can't strip it out over there. That if they pass the bill, it's got to include all these little things that obviously don't need to be in there that are little more, if anything at all, spending pork opportunities to pay back quid pro quo Joe. That's what this is entirely about. So what else is happening out there in the world, Dan? Well, there is a bunch going on and a bunch of things that we need to get to. One biggie is um, this immigrant payment thing that popped up earlier this week and trying to get the truth of who thinks what, who says what. And I'm talking about, um, I think it was the New York, was it the Times? or the, No, it was the Wall Street Journal that leaked early in the week that the Biden administration was contemplating giving every one of the illegal immigrants that uh, came across during the Trump administration and their families were separated for any reasons to make a one-time payment, the government make a one-time payment of $450,000 per immigrant that was separated. And the total cost for that would be in the billions. And of course, Americans went crazy. That was leaked out before the Virginia election. And I can tell you that changed a lot of Virginians' minds about who they were going to vote for last Tuesday. But then it comes up, is that exactly or is that what the Biden administration really was saying? So yesterday, trying to get some clarification, Fox News' Peter Ducey had a chance to ask the president about it after the news came out that it wasn't true, it wasn't good, they weren't going to do that, and then, oh yeah, we are, the president made a deal with the AFL-CIO the AFL-CIO put out a memo blasting the president for going back on his word, and it's kind of like back and forth and back and forth. Here, after it all came out in the open that there was some conflict of who said what and who was going to do what and what was going to be allowed and what was going to be disallowed, listen to Peter Ducey and President Biden. Listen to what the president says going out of this soundbite from yesterday. Your administration is planning to pay illegal immigrants who are separated from their families at the border up to $450,000 each, possibly a million dollars per family. But it's not true. So this is a garbage report? Yeah. Okay. So $450,000 per person. Is that what you're saying? That was separated from a family member at the border under, under the last administration. That's not going to happen. The president is perfectly comfortable with the Department of Justice settling with the individuals and families who are currently in litigation with the U.S. government. The figures of compensation that is being handled by the Department of Justice is in the context of the Federal Tort Claims Act cases. That woman you heard speak is the assistant White House press secretary. When in a press briefing, she was being just basted with questions about this thing. And, of course, the third one was Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, and they, quote-unquote, clarified the president's positions on paying money to these illegal immigrants. Now, here's what you really need to understand. 
There are a lot of pending lawsuits by the family members of those illegal immigrants who were separated. And we're not going to go into the why they were separated. We know now that it was done to pretty much save the lives of young immigrants when the government couldn't tell if the adults that were with them when they were accosted coming over, if they really were family members or if they weren't human traffickers that were bringing kids over to market them when they got into the United States. In other words, to protect the kids. That doesn't matter. They were separated from their families. And so there are several hundred lawsuits that have been filed against the federal government for doing that. Now, put that in the context of what we're talking about, folks. These are not nice folks that they call their consulates in those Central American and Mexican towns and cities in which they lived and filed an asylum claim for them and their kids to come to the United States We're not talking about that. We're not talking about them working within the system. We're talking about them taking criminal action. They came to the United States criminally. They were violating federal immigration laws when they stepped on American soil without having gone to one of those consulates or embassies or at a port of of, uh, entry to file legally to be able to come to the U.S., and make a case before an immigration judge about your desire based on asylum to get protection and come to the United States. None of these people did that. They broke the law. And because they made decisions to break the law, they have filed suit, massive suits, against the federal government, against you and me. What are the numbers? You know what the average amount of the damages that are included in each of these immigration lawsuits filed over the last year and a half? Do you know what the average number sought by these people is? $2.3 million per claim. $2.3 million per claim. Now, you want to draw up a conspiracy on this? Something for you to contemplate over the weekend? This will hack you off. I can tell you, just because of my history in litigation, for 30 years, I dealt with people, healthcare providers. Sometimes it's doctors, sometimes it's hospitals, sometimes it's medical clinics, surgery clinics, doctors, physicians of all kinds. Do you know what the malpractice dollars and cents that are factored in to our healthcare institutions and healthcare workers' costs are. It's mind-boggling what the insurance, malpractice insurance premiums are for physicians today and nurses. Why is that? Because people, they'll sue anybody for anything. This is America. You can do that. But what makes it worse, and here's the conspiracy thing that I'll guarantee you, I, from my knowledge, I guarantee you this is what's going on. In my business, we call people that get on top of these things and run with them, we call them ambulance chasers. What is that? One of the big sectors of healthcare that we have assisted over these 30 years is fighting insurance payment wars for our healthcare providers. And probably the sector in healthcare in which 
legal contracted payment for health services aren't being paid appropriately, and I sought words there because I didn't want to say anything ugly, is medical emergency medical transportation, which would be emergency ground ambulance, an emergency helicopter, an emergency fixed wing transport. It's very expensive to fly patients. And whether or not you realize it, for ground emergency ambulances, it's very expensive. The equipment is costly, the drugs, the equipment on board these ambulances, and now almost everywhere to treat patients when each of these transports go out. Ground or air, it's got a nurse and a paramedic, at least, on board to treat in transit these very injured and very uh, uh, very sick people to get them as quickly as possible to appropriate health care. It costs a lot. And so, let me give you an example. Um, an EMS helicopter. Um, I'll give you one as an example to tell you how expensive it is to fly. Hahnemann Medical Center, which is a big medical institution in downtown Philadelphia. They have a massive emergency transportation process because they service a big part of Pennsylvania. Philadelphia is the biggest city in Pennsylvania. Um, And so it's very costly for these helicopters to take off and fly and pick up patients. But who are they picking up and why are they picking them up? These are very sick people, very, very ill people that are in the process of losing their lives. That's the justification of getting them to the appropriate health care as quickly as possible. Hahnemann Hospital in Philadelphia back 10 years ago. Do you know what they were charging just for what's called liftoff? In other words, for their helicopter to take off from the roof of the helico- uh, of the hospital and fly out to the scene of accidents or heart attacks or whatever it is and pick up the patient and take them back to, to the appropriate hospital to get treated. $17,000. That's called liftoff fee. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to get paid $17,000, but that's what they're going to charge. So the reason the hospitals got into that business was not only to provide good health care, but those people that are transported back to their hospitals, they're really sick, which means we're talking about major surgeries. We're talking about intensive care. We're talking about major, major medications and treatment in the hospital most of the time for days and days and days if they live. And so those hospital bills, those insurance companies get those bills. I'm talking about a typical patient in that situation that has to be flown. You're talking about at minimum a six-figure hospital bill. So the hospital sends out their bill. Their billing department does the whole thing. Well, the same little clerk that puts and charges on that bill, those $2 aspirin and the rubber gloves and everything that's in our room, they charge you for. You know what that... Same people that do that are the ones that when the insurance company gets the bill and they submit payment, they send back a check and it comes with what's called an EOB, which is an explanation of the line items on the bill, an explanation of benefits. And that $17,000 base liftoff fee charge, the hospital charge 17, insurance company may pay 2,500. But 
Way above that in the bill is the initial reasons, what the patient was being transported for and how much the particular things cost and were billed. So let's start at the top. We're talking about emergency room. We're talking about intensive care for so many days. We're talking about whatever the medical procedures are. May have needed a a heart bypass, 100 grand right there. I mean, all of this comes down at the top. Bam, 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 bam. Way down at the bottom, there's this emergency transport cost. And it's billed out. And sometimes the insurance company won't even pay that. They just zero it out and say, not allowed. So what does the hospital do? Well, that same clerk that sent the bill is the one that gets the payment. And they have to enter line by line what was paid, what was not paid, and they have to do what's called allowables. In other words, most hospitals have contracts with insurance companies. And in those contracts, it's itemized how much the insurance company is going to pay for each procedure that is performed. And it has no relationship typically to the charging amount. So what happens is these clerks, they have to look up, well, we charge 5000 for this. Let me see what our contract says. Bam. Well, they're only going to pay three. So they write off the 2000 all the way down. By the time they get to the bottom of the page and they see, well, they didn't pay this $17,000 transport fee. I guess I'll just write it off. They forget about it. Insurance companies know that. What our company does is we go in and we fight the war. If it's a legitimate medical procedure that's provided by our client, we make sure they're going to get paid. So what happens? Think about it. We're talking about litigation. We're talking about illegal immigrants. Technically, folks, you and I both know, these people have no right to make one complaint. They came here breaking federal law. And it's the result of their actions that caused them to be separated from their family. Not anybody else. They broke the law. They should pay whatever price goes along with breaking the law, right? If there's not a law for it, you couldn't do anything to stop it. But there's a law. It stopped and they're suing. Average cost, $2.3 million for each suit. Now, where does that number come from? Here's what you have, a bunch of ambulance chasers that are out there. And we dealt with them. We had attorneys in every town and city across the U.S. in which we did work for these hospitals. You had specific lawyers there. When somebody's in a car wreck, hey, 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 cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. We called them ambulance chasers. The lawyers would send us a signed document demand for us to provide to them the medical records for that person that was transported because they're going to call them and talk them into suing whoever was considered to be the causer of the accident. And don't think that happens every now and then. We have a full-time employee that does nothing but handle attorney medical records requests. I'm serious. That's exactly what's going on over here. Do you think those immigrants on their own, they said, you know what I think I'm going to do? I think I'm going to sue the federal government because I got separated from my kids Forget about the fact the reason you got separated from your kids is because you made the choices that let that and made that happen. If you are ever looking at anything, trying to find out the sources for it, 
Oh, that was evil. They shouldn't have done that. <laughs> you can almost always, almost 100% of the time, if not 100%, 99.2 or 3% of the time, the reason for the bad, evil stuff that goes on, it's about the money. The love of money is the root of all evil. You got a question about why? <laughs> Follow the money. Talk to Dan. Call 1-866-37-TRUTH. TNN Live. The Truth News Network. Little Caesar's Thin Crust Pizza is so loaded with cheese and pepperoni you can't even see the crust. And if you ever want to see it again, listen very carefully. Bring $6.49 in unmarked bills or marked bills or coins or just a credit or debit card to Little Caesar's. Come alone and bring your friends or family. Bring everyone. Get a Little Caesar's Large Thin Crust Pizza with extra cheese and the most pepperoni, all at the nation's best price of just $6.49. Pizza, pizza. Top four national pizza chains. Extra most bestest thin crust pepperoni pizza versus large round one topping thin crust pepperoni pizza. Everyday standard menu prices at participating locations plus tax. Few things bring as much joy as the delicious taste of Coca-Cola. Like your first time camping or falling in love on a blind date. And now, our new Coke bottles are sip-sized and made from 100% recycled materials. So every bottle can live on to create more memories. That's endlessly refreshing. Coca-Cola. Bottles are made from 100% recycled materials excluding cap and label. Enjoy the great taste of Coca-Cola in a new sip-sized bottle that's made of 100% recycled materials. Locked and loaded with Truth Ammo. Taking aim at the problem, it's Dan Newman. I got to be honest with you. The source of most problems are because we don't want to accept the facts, especially when it comes to lawsuits. So, Representative Dan Crinsaw, he's from Texas. He is a war veteran. He's the guy that wears the patch over his right eye. He was injured in battle. A lot of respect for anybody that served in the military, especially in combat, and especially for those who gave an eye or some other limb or gave their lives protecting the country. Dan Crenshaw is one of those. He's a Texan. He lives in a state where illegal immigration is front and center, and he's all up in the middle of it. Yesterday, he just came out and cold call just slammed the Biden administration for this thing about paying reparations to illegal immigrants who were separated after illegally crossing the border. He questioned the so-called Build Back Better agenda, the one that we are told they're going to vote on today in the House. Vaccine mandates, he questions, and tax breaks for blue states. He claimed that was why Virginia went the way it did, and most reasonable Americans, they get that. Well, they're all over the place, he said, whether it's about the Build Back Better agenda or about what they're doing with the illegal immigration at the border. So it should be obvious to everybody there, they're doing nothing. The only actions they've taken so far to secure our border are against Border Patrol agents who are trying to block people from coming across, you know, doing their jobs, that thing. So that's the only thing they've done so far, but they're taking more action, he continued. They want to pay the people $450,000. Now, to put this in context, he said it's worth noting that if your family member who's serving in our military gets killed in action, gets killed in Afghanistan or Iraq or in one of our wars, you would get $400,000 worth of insurance payments back to your family. So the Biden administration thinks the crimes against the families that were separated under Trump are so extreme, 
And even if you believe they deserve some kind of compensation, but they believe they're so extreme that they deserve $450,000, and again, let's add some more context. Businesses in America under their new vaccine mandate could be fined up to $130,000. Meanwhile, Representative Crenshaw said, under the Build Back Better agenda, let's don't forget, they want to give rich New Yorkers a tax deduction through the SALTS program of up to $30,000. So this is the kind of priorities that this administration has. They won't secure your border, but they'll pay off illegal immigrants. They'll give tax breaks to the rich donors in high tax states like New York, New Jersey, and California, and they're going to screw you over if you don't force all your employees to get vaccines, and they're going to find you as a result. So it's, this is what America is so angry about. It's why Virginia went the way it did. You know what? Crenshaw gets that. I get that. You get that. So let me ask you this. We're not talking about a bunch of stupid people in Congress and in this administration or any other administration. In fact, a huge majority of people in government are smart people. I'm not saying honest. (laughs) I'm saying smart. They're using their smartness for the wrong things, but nevertheless, they know what's going on. They understand what Crenshaw's talking about. They understand that most Americans do. They're doing this to gain and garner as much permanent power in government that they possibly can get. And I think their original plan was to do it over a long period of time. Remember this, I'm confident the author of this entire process is Barack Obama and was Barack Obama. I don't think it was what he was planning when he ran for his first four years in office. But I think at some point, the light turned on in his head, and it may have been turned on by others that he surrounded himself with, very, very heavyweight, very wealthy, very politically connected people like George Soros, like the people at the top of Amazon, Apple, Microsoft. Google, and they basically said, look, what we need to do is we need to create a scenario where we can get power over a long period of time, but then we can maintain it permanently. In other words, come up with a way to make the Democrat Party be the majority party from now on, that everybody who's in the Democrat Party is going to be the bosses. And by the way, what we'll do is we'll set up a political hierarchy that tells the Democrat Party what to do. And I think what happened, he had his, let's say, three years of his first term, then had four years of his second term. And what he was doing, they were grooming Hillary Clinton to take the mantle for at least eight more years and just move it up slowly over a period of time, doing exactly what that old story is. How do you boil? How do you kill a frog. If you want to boil the frog the easy way, you take a pan of water, put it on the stove, put the frog in it. He'll just swim around gleefully liking it. But you turn the temperature up below the pot and over a period of time, 
the water's going to boil. The frog doesn't try to get out because he's conditioned to the water slowly getting warmer and warmer and warmer. And finally, when he realizes, hey, this is getting dangerously hot, it's too late for him. He's going to boil. If you put him in a pot of boiling water, he'll immediately, the second he feels the heat, the water, he jumps out. I think the plan was to cook the American people in our thinking and what we were aware of politically. Keep us diverted. Keep our minds away from that over a long period of time and just slowly turn up the heat in the water. And if and when we finally discovered what was happening, totalitarianism in the making, slow trek up the hill, but once we got to the hill, there's no place to go, the 2016 election thwarted that. And now they are desperate. They've got to get back on track toward their objectives. And they're failing, and it's scaring them to death. In this southern border thing, folks, that is the only way it can be described as what the purpose is for all of these people just no longer benignly. They're just aggressively turning their backs and walking away and then making sure everybody else does the same thing when it comes to enforcing immigration laws. They're not doing it. They have no plans to do it. In fact, their plans are to obliterate them. They're going to, very quickly, they're going to find ways to just do away with all immigration laws. How are they going to do that? They're going to maintain, if in any way they possibly can get it done, they're going to maintain permanent power in Congress so that they won't have to answer to anybody, yet alone the American people. They can do whatever they want to do. So Biden plans to fix the border meltdown. That's what he says. And so what's his plan? Well, he's going to invite economic migrants to come in legally. That's what Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee said in a conversation with Stephen Miller yesterday. Miller, you'll remember, is the former immigration deputy in Donald Trump's White House. The legal changes are buried in the Democrats' Build Back Better bill. I told you that a few minutes ago. If the Democrat bill becomes law, Biden is going to be able to say, hey, we got the border under control. Well, no, she added, Blackburn. What Biden did was to open a door over here where he's going to let people pay $2,500, come in, get citizenship, and then reap the benefits. You're not supposed to be changing law in a reconciliation budget bill, she added. Democrats know this would never pass, so they're going to try to get this revision through in the fast-track budget bill. And we want to get the word out on it, so I'm handing that out to you right now. It's really important that people speak out about this as much as possible. As you know from personal experience, most Democrats in Congress just do what they're told by House Speaker Pelosi and Senate Majority Leader Schumer and not exercise any independent thought whatsoever. So Stephen Miller, I really like him. If you can't remember who he is, he's a small, skinny guy. He's balding on top, has very little hair, but he speaks very fluently, and he is the most knowledgeable person I know of on criminality and law, and immigration law especially. 
Miller described this pending immigration changes in the Democrats' bill. Here's what he said. Little attention has been given to the immigration provisions, which are truly breathtaking in scope and would completely, completely reorder American society from top to bottom. First and simplest, really, he said, is a giant amnesty for most of the nation's illegal immigrant population. The second is a very shocking provision, which I know, and he's talking to Blackburn, Senator, I know, Senator, you've been very concerned about, which allows people to effectively buy American citizenship for a very small fee. How how does it do this? Under federal law, there are some categories of immigration that are expressly capped at roughly $1 million per year for all legal immigration. These categories include chain migration and foreign workers hired by U.S. companies. So there are specific annual caps Congress has established on both of these to ensure there isn't unlimited immigration, that there's some measure of control, as every society has. In fact, a lot of people would argue, if anything, the caps are too generous. What this bill does, it says even if you can't get into the country right away because there's an annual cap on chain migration or a cap on foreign worker migration for a fee of $2,500 for a family of chain migrants or for a fee of $5,000 for foreign workers that would primarily be in the big tech space, you can get a green card come to America, and you can stay here for life. And of course, what Democrats aren't saying after that is don't worry about it at some point in the future. We'll wave our our wand, our magic wand, and make you full citizens of the United States. So literally, an unlimited number of people can come into the country for this fee, $2,500, be put on a path to citizenship, no special criteria, no merit-based sorting, No demonstration of any particular contribution. It's just give the money and get in. The bill is a huge threat to a lot of Americans, but really pointed at Americans who want to earn college degrees to better their lives. Here's what Miller had to say about that. It'll mean that if you're a college student graduating in Tennessee and you want to go to work for one of these big tech companies, make a great living, be able to support your family, The company can just instead go get a foreign worker for much less than they would pay an American worker. That, I think, is a great tragedy, and I'm frankly astonished this has been put in the bill without getting any real national attention. So Tom Cotton, senator from Arkansas, he focused on the section's impact for American technology grads. In a November 3rd op-ed at Fox News, here's what he said, just a segment of it. The current draft of the Democrats' bill also includes a nearly unprecedented assault on the livelihoods of American tech workers. In service of their big-money donors, Democrats intend to authorize green cards for hundreds of thousands of foreign tech workers. On one day, Democrats want to open the floodgates to a quarter of a million such workers in one day. The tech industry has been subsidized with cheap foreign labor for long enough. Silicon Valley should invest in upskilling the American workforce instead of using their money to lobby Congress for some new giveaway. That's exactly what they're planning to do today. They're planning to get this thing passed in the House 
today. Now remember this. There are really two infrastructure bills. They have sold this uh, budget reconciliation bill, the big one, $2.75 trillion. They have sold that as an infrastructure bill. Bill back better. And then, of course, the other one they just called the infrastructure bill. They're throwing as much crap as they can even conceive into this first one, the one that is going to be before the House first, the Build Back Better bill. They're throwing so much crap into it that even if they lose control of the House of Representatives and the Senate in the 2022 midterms, they're going to feel like there's no way this can ever be undone. They're going for broke, and the reason is they got to make hay while the sun shines. And the sun, they are positive now, almost certain. The sun is going to set on the Democrat Party in the majority of leadership in both the House and the Senate. So they got to get as much evil implemented and put in so deeply and entrenched in the infrastructure of the United States that there's no way to pull back and bail out of it when they lose the majority. Get it done now. Make it happen now. And then we have a great chance of getting back in power shortly after 2022. They're looking at 2024 as a good opportunity to take back control. They're convinced they're going to lose the majorities next November. And it just gets worse, folks. (laughs) More about that after this. He sits in judgment. He stands for the law. Kind of looks like a hero and sounds like your paw. He smiles and he laughs. His voice tinged with gravel. But the bad guys gasp when he bangs his big gavel. Judge Wapner. Judge Wapner. When neighbors brawl, when lovers refute, when suppliers and buyers and liars dispute. Wapner won't let those law books get dusty. Got a buddy named Doug and a sidekick named Rusty. Rusty. With Wapner. Judge Wapner. Doesn't do it from towers, doesn't do it from steeples. He does it in court. A court called People's. Wapner. People's Court. Judge Wapner. Call him your honor. Judge Wapner. Judge Wapner rules on the People's Court. Song over. Song over. And now back to John with the weather. Yes, Andy. Tonight, a big storm. Storm this! Get the soccer offer from Pizza Hut and Pepsi. With every two medium pants Super Supreme, you get a real soccer ball and four cans of Pepsi for free. Yes, a real soccer ball and four cans of Pepsi for free! Don't miss the Pizza Hut and Pepsi soccer offer. With every two medium pants Super Supreme, you get a real soccer ball and four cans of Pepsi for free. What about the weather, Andy? Don't resist and call 19,000 now. The stages may be bare, but the show goes on. With the iHeartRadio Broadway Saturday Matinee. Every week, we play an entire cast album and give you behind-the-scenes stories from the show's stars. This Saturday, Moulin Rouge. Welcome to the Moulin Rouge! This is Danny Burstein from Moulin Rouge the Musical, and you're listening to iHeartRadio Broadway. The iHeartRadio Broadway Saturday Matinee. Today at 2 at iHeartRadioBroadway.com. Driven by Mercedes-AMG. Driving performance. 
We don't tell you what to think, but we give you truth to think about. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. Well, as we swing back into gear this Friday morning, don't forget what's ahead through the weekend. Saturday, big day here at Truth News Network. We publish our bullet points Saturday morning. That's a compilation of the week's the previous week, this week that we're ending tomorrow. Um, we pull together the biggest stories of the week, many of which typically we find out our our uh, readers weren't able to get, didn't know a lot about them, and they want to peruse what the important things are they may have missed that week, but they don't want to be covered up with having to read every story. Sometimes they've heard about it all, and they just want the highlights. So what we do, we grab the top 10 to 15 of stories, and in our bullet point, Offering Each bullet point begins with a couple of sentences of description. And at the end of it, there's a hyperlink. It's a blue arrow that's in a round shape. And if you want to go and get the complete details, all you do is click on that hyperlink. It takes you to a full story. And if you've already seen about it, you know about it, you don't want any more details, you just go on to the next bullet point. That uh, offering, our Saturday bullet points, goes live at 1.45 a.m. tomorrow morning. On Sunday, we typically have a story that may not be right in the middle of everything that's going on, but it's always about something that's important that you may have missed, and we go into details there. Sometimes we just take a break on Sunday because we know starting Monday, every week on Monday, big stuff begins to happen, and so we get armed to begin to bring to you all the important things through the week. And by the way, thanks for joining us here. Thanks for joining us. Another big thing happens overnight on Sunday. Don't forget this. Tomorrow night before you go to bed, set your clocks. You don't have to worry about setting your iPhones or your Apple Watches because they change automatically, but daylight savings time is over, and that means when you go to bed, I think it's technically at 2 a.m. It's really going to be just 1 a.m. So this is the time of year in the two daylight savings time changes that you get an extra hour of sleep. So before you go to bed, if you go to bed at 9 o'clock, set your watches and your clocks back to 8 o'clock. It's always funny to me when you show up at church on Sunday uh, when either one of the two daylight saving times changes happen. Somebody's either an hour early (laughs) or an hour late getting to church because they forgot It was daylight savings time changes. So what else is happening that uh, we need to we need to touch base on to make sure you understand the facts? This is a little minor item. 17 million healthcare workers in the nation, 17 million have got to be vaccinated by January 4th under Biden's COVID-19 mandates. Now, got to remember this. Biden said when this first mandate came down about the employers that have 100 employees or more, they must have all of those workers vaccinated. He said, oh, no, 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 but I can't do that. But OSHA, we're going to do this through OSHA, which is the uh, government uh, bureau that handles everything regarding health care law and and labor laws. And so we're going to make this a labor issue. OSHA is going to push it out. Well, this time, he has attacked the healthcare workers across the nation 
but he just decided he's not going to push it out, the responsibility to anybody else. So he's having his department of Centers for Medicaid Services, Medicare and Medicaid Services, called the CMS, and had them. He just called them and said, here's what you do. Issue a rule that says that healthcare workers in the U.S. will have to be considered fully vaccinated with the COVID vaccine by January 4th. If you don't get vaccinated, you, you, can't, you can't get an exception. You can't get an exemption. You got to be vaxxed or you're out. The rule was handed down for all staff who are employed at Medicaid or Medicare funded hospitals or facilities. Unlike the Biden administration's rule that mandates vaxes or testing for employers with 100 or more workers, this rule, the CMS rule, does not allow healthcare staff to opt out by submitting to weekly testing, but they are considering religious and medical exemptions. Ensuring patient safety and protection from COVID has been the focus of our efforts in combating the pandemic and the constantly evolving challenges we're seeing. That's from CMS Administrator Chiquita Brooks-Lashore. Tuesday's action addresses the risk of unvaccinated healthcare staff to patient safety and provide stability and uniformity across the nation's healthcare system to strengthen the health of people and the providers who care for them. That's the political craziness. That's how they justify it. And of course, they blame the Delta variant. Citing what Delta variant did over the summer, CMS said the move is designed to prevent COVID among healthcare staff. The new requirements apply to 76,000 healthcare providers would cover about 17 million workers across the U.S. Now just think about that for a second. We're hearing about all of the pushback, the multiple, I mean dozens and dozens of lawsuits filed against OSHA, filed against the medical community at CMS already before this particular version came out filing suits against bosses, labor unions. Labor unions are filing lawsuits. Now just imagine what's going to happen. Do you think 17 million of these healthcare workers are just going to benignly say, okay, I'm in, jab me? How many are not going to do that? How many of them are going to walk away before January 4th if they find a job somewhere else? I personally know of a chain of major hospitals. I won't give you the name of the hospital. But administration in that chain, they have encouraged their healthcare workers to accept and be vaccinated, but they've made it very clear. We're not mandating that you do so. Every hospital in this chain provides healthcare services to Medicare and Medicaid patients. And so for them to do that and continue to get paid for those services, every healthcare worker in their hospitals, that whole chain has got to be vaccinated. What's going to happen there? I promise you there are a bunch of people that work there that are working there that move there from other healthcare chains that were requiring vaccination that went to this particular one that are going to walk out. Folks, there's a huge segment of our population that is 100% totally against. 
I am not going to accept this vaccination. And when questioned about why, there are a myriad of answers, but they're all very similar. Number one, we don't know what's in the vaccine. Number two, we know there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of adverse reactions among people that take this vaccination, which includes at least a reported number of 18,000 Americans have died. That's a lot of people, folks. That's a lot of people that die, not from the disease they're getting vaccinated from, for the vaccination itself. So the big question before we move on, and I'm not going to answer it, but of the 17 million workers, how many of them can we spare? Can you imagine the state of health care if just 10%? And it's going to be more than that, I can promise you. These are the people that know they're healthcare professionals. Why are they not already vaccinated? They know what's in there. They see firsthand what happens to a lot of people. And they also see, and this number goes up and up and up and up. They see how many people are fully vaxxed that are not only coming down with COVID-19, many are dying even though they're fully vaccinated. I'll, I'll, I'll say this. We may never know the actual number because whatever the number is, the federal government's not going to give us the actual number. But I'm going to bet 6 to 8 million people refuse to be vaccinated in healthcare. And that, folks is going to change big time. So we have a governor that has proven to be really sharp when it comes to the people in his state, doing some really good things to protect the people in his state from a lot of this bureaucratic craziness going on. That's Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida. Yesterday, he made an announcement and he said this, Florida needs new worker protections enshrined in the law. He said, we're pleased that the leadership of the state legislature in Florida shares this objective and has proposed reforms that we are confident will protect Floridians' livelihoods and their constitutional rights. So here's the specifics of what he's talking about. His plan is to propose, it's still remains totally unknown, but he sent a memo to the legislature at the end of last month requesting that the safety net includes unemployment assistance, also workers' compensation, and non-compete exemptions. Mandating the vaccine cannot stop the spread or ensure a COVID-free workplace because vaccinated people can still get and they can still spread the virus, he said. It's clear this mandate isn't about science or health. It's about control and social engineering. So exactly what this Florida safety net is going to look like, we don't know yet. But the governor's asked the legislator to uh, create one, a safety net, for these employees who find themselves terminated. The legislature's not signal they will ban vaccine mandates on private businesses altogether, as Texas lawmakers tried and failed to do this month when faced with business opposition in the state. We've always been against government mandating what business can do and can't do. That's from Executive Director of the Florida Chamber of Commerce. But we're not asking for legislation. 
The chamber is just interested in the conversation. So regardless of whether the Republican-controlled legislature, led by State Rep. Chris Sproles, acts on banning the mandates, DeSantis's office said the governor will challenge the orders in court, including Thursday's proposed rule by OSHA that clarifies President Joe Biden's mandates. I think 16 states' uh, attorney generals have already filed suit. And we know what's included in that mandate. This is just getting crazy. And there's a bunch of other litigation going on. Republicans immediately announced legal action yesterday against the mandate. Joe Biden failed to shut down the virus like he promised. He couldn't do his job. So now he wants you to lose yours. (laughs) That's pretty bold, but that's actually what it is in a synopsis. That was Republican National Committee Chairwoman Rona McDowell. While I am pro-vaccine, she said, the Biden administration does not have authority to force hardworking Americans to choose between being vaxxed and providing for their families. That's why the RNC is suing the Biden administration over this unlawful vaccine mandate and will maintain every legal option to fight this authoritarian overreach. It's going to be interesting to watch and see what of these suits actually get some legs. You know how it is. I mean, in the federal federal system, the civil federal system, which is where this would go, um, there's a process. There's a skeleton of where you got to go first and what the process is. And you can't just automatically say, I want to take this to the Supreme Court and file a suit at the Supreme Court. You can try that, but you're not going to get any legs. Typically, they have to all work their way up through the bottom of first in a state court, then a state appeals court, and then from there to a state superior court or Supreme Court. And then from there, you go into the federal court system, a district court. And if you don't get what you want from that district court, there's a federal appeals court. And then if you don't get what you want there, you can file with the U.S. Supreme Court as the last-ditch effort. Sometimes they'll hear the case. Sometimes they won't even give you an answer. They'll just say, we're not going to take it up. It's not a quick process, but here's what here's what's at stake. Timing is critical in all of this. I mean, it's absolutely critical. We're talking about millions of people overnight losing their jobs. And there is no way the United States Supreme Court is going to have any basis or certainly any of those nine justices would not walk away from taking a case up that would come before them regarding these vaccine mandates and the serious life-changing results that people are going to see in their lives for doing nothing wrong but just trying to be Americans and practice the freedoms and liberties that are guaranteed us all in our Constitution. So how do they handle this on the left? What do they say about the pushback that they're getting ad nauseum? CNN Situation Room, Labor Secretary Marty Walsh, he answered my question about that. He argued there's not a vaccine mandate for companies with more than 100 employees because people who choose not to get vaxxed are going to get tested and then in the workplace, when they're around other people, they're going to wear a mask. Sounds so simple, right? 
Walsh said OSHA's done this for over 50 years. They've never done this, but he's talking about going through this process. They issue a rule. So they certainly have the enforcement mechanism down, but I'm not looking, he said, I've gotten the question a lot today. I'm not looking at the negative side of this. I'm looking at the positive side. We've seen many companies in America that are brought in a mandate. They have about 85 to 90% of their employees getting vaxxed already. And what we want to do is just encourage people to get vaccinated. If they choose not to get vaccinated, we're asking they're going to get tested. And then in the workplace, when they're around other people, they're going to wear a mask. This is not a mandate. He's full of it, folks. This is exactly a mandate. There is no other explanation for it. And so what this guy is, I don't know who he is. I've never heard of his name before. Labor Secretary Marty Walsh. Don't know a thing about him, but listening to what he said, obviously the Bible says from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. He honestly, he's got to believe this or he swallowed uh, the poison of the administration that he's out there saying, we're not making anybody do anything. This is just something that we're making sure that is done on the job. But if people don't want to do it, they don't have to. Here's what they can do. They can just get tested. Guess what? In this Build Back Better bill, he's right. You don't have to do it. You got to get tested. But two things in that. You got to pay for your own test. Your employer's not forced to pay for them. And also, your employer's not forced to pay you time off to go get vaccinated or to get tested every week. And being in the healthcare industry, I'll tell you, that kind of process ain't cheap. And it doesn't happen free. People in the healthcare business, they got to function too. They got to pay their bills. So we're looking at military. Thousands, tens of thousands of military members are saying we're not getting vaccinated. And so the Biden administration is pushing for all of those members who refuse to get vaccinated to get discharged, kicked out of the military. And guess what else they want to do? They want everybody that falls into that category to be discharged on a dishonorable basis. Discharged dishonorably. That's a scourge that would stay on their records for the rest of their lives. It's just not fair. A group of Republican senators are backing an amendment to immediately pass defense legislation that would ban dishonorable discharges for troops who don't comply with this COVID-19 vaccine mandate for the military. Senator Roger Marshall from Kansas discussed his amendment during a press conference on Thursday, along with Senators Rick Scott, Roger Wicker, Kevin Kramer, and First Liberty Institute General Counsel Mike Berry. All of them are Republicans, of course. Marshall, who's an Army veteran, said next Thursday is Veterans Day, a day on which we stop this nation pauses to honor our veterans. Our president instead is choosing to dishonor our military active duty officers by forcing them to be separated from the military, then pushing upon them a dishonorable discharge. 
Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin in late August ordered the vaccine to be mandatory for all service members. Since then, the Pentagon has repeatedly warned service members who don't comply with the order could face disciplinary action and potential discharge. Service members are allowed to apply for religious accommodations to be exempt from the mandate, but no requests have been approved. Not one has been approved. In other words, if you're not going to be vaxxed, we're kicking you out, and we are going to give you a dishonorable discharge. In addition to that, don't forget, Biden's mandate makes unvaxxed pay for those tests and pay for them at least once a week. So every Monday, you got to go get tested. And I'll bet you the tests are going to be 40 or 50 bucks. That cost adds up, and your boss is not paying for you to take a couple hours off. You very seldom get to walk into a doctor's office, walk back and get what you want, turn around and walk out. <laughs> Especially now. Healthcare workers are short in number. They're bailing left and right. So there's not enough staffing to even make normal process and timing. What you've experienced in the past possible at getting treatment. Wow. Gosh, we're, th- we're only 30 minutes away from ending this show. And we're just getting cranking. I want to talk to you when we come back from this break. I want to talk to you about what is going on regarding the way Americans are already being treated in this massive Biden inflation, how it's affecting them every, every day, even at the, at the grocery store, especially at getting gasoline. I'm cutting out of town after the show today and I'm thinking about filling up my car with gas. Now, gasoline's not, it's not California or New York expensive here in Louisiana, but it's way, way more than it was on the day Joe Biden was elected president. That day I paid a buck sixty-five a gallon. I paid three dollars and five cents a gallon last week. And it's even more than that now. We're gonna talk about that, how that's impacting people on things like food, specifically a story that CNN weighed in on, that their way of covering this story was horrible, heartless, unfeeling. And then what's going on at the global level about energy and how this administration is approaching energy and the problems we're having, not just in gasoline, folks, Electricity bills are skyrocketing as well. There's really not a lot of good stuff that's happening under this presidency right now. We're going to get to those in our last 30 minutes. Back after this. Des Moines HelpWanted.com salutes the employee of the month. The one employee you can't live without. The others, let's just call them Dave. Dave, we need to talk about your sick days. What seems to be the problem, Mr. Employee of the Month? Last week you were out all five days. I was sick. Thanks for checking in. You posted on social media that you were at a comedy club on Monday. Laughter is the best medicine. An outdoor barbecue on Tuesday. Feed a cold, starve a fever, or whichever one needs to be fed. That's the one I had. Okay, Wednesday you took a selfie, hashtag faking sick. That was supposed to say freaking sick. Thursday you were at an amusement park. 
park. Somebody stole my phone. They stole your phone and uploaded photos of you at an amusement park. Yes, fake news. Friday, you tailgated in the employee parking lot. Friday's basically the weekend. Everyone knows that. If you don't mind hiring Dave's, go to the huge national job boards. That's probably what you'll get. But if you want more employees of the month, go where local job seekers find good local jobs. We don't discriminate against people named Dave. Dave is a common name, fun to say, and so we're using it as a catch-all for lackluster employees everywhere. Please don't write us to tell us you were insulted by this ad. That would be a real Dave move, Dave. Summer seems even brighter when you've been inside a while. It's time to drive again with Honda, KVB.com's 2020 Best Value Brand. You could get a great deal on the 2020 Passport or 2020 Pilot, with financing as low as 0.9% APR on select models. Visit the Honda Summer Clearance Event today. For well-qualified buyers, see dealer for financing details based on 2020 brand image from Kelly Blue Book. Visit KVB.com for more information. In every age, a technology is created that upends the foundations of society. The wheel, the printing press, the internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. No identity politics, no political elitism. Read and hear the truth, always sourced from facts. Real truth, real news. TNN, the Truth News Network. Senator John Kennedy, out of my state of Louisiana, he is, um, he's on a lot of news shows because he's a, he's, he's a great storyteller. He has the knack of... Um, of um, telling a story and making everything in every story, it doesn't matter what the topic is, make it applicable and understandable to anybody and everybody that's listening. Sometimes he makes himself seem a little slow, uh, but he's not. He's making that sound that way just so people will understand he's trying to dumb it down and maybe not dumbing it down for himself because he's a brilliant guy. He's doing it for the people that he represents. In this case, he represents me. He's one of my two senators in Louisiana. Well, he's like everybody looking in at the energy policies of this administration, if there are any, trying to figure out what their long-term game plan is. For that matter, even their short-term game plan. Here's Senator Kennedy, and uh, he kind of voices his concern about trying to figure out what's going on in Biden energy. Um, I, I'm pretty much a uh, an all-of-the-above energy type guy. I support wind. I support solar. I support thermal. I support hydrogen. Um, unlike many of my Democratic colleagues, I support nuclear, particularly the new small modular reactors. But I also support uh, oil and gas, and uh, that's why I'm 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 supporting um, this bill. Uh, it it it's a it's a rational, uh, reasoned plan. It's an energy policy that looks like somebody designed the damn thing on purpose. Because that's not what we have right now. Um, 
Pre- President Biden has talked a lot about his plan. I don't completely understand it. Um, as best I can tell, he wants us at some undetermined time in the future to be able to produce our energy without nuclear, without oil, and without natural gas, and certainly without coal. Um, he doesn't really explain how we're going to get from where we are today to, to that future that he envisions, which is why you're seeing the disruptions in the energy supply throughout the world. Short term, as best I can tell, uh, President Biden and uh, Secretary Kerry's plan is let's don't produce our own fossil fuels. Even though the American economy, the greatest economy in all of human history, gets 80% of its energy from fossil fuels. He wants to end that abruptly. He doesn't want us to produce our own fossil fuels. He wants us to buy natural gas and oil from other countries and basically give countries that hate us more money so they'll have weapons. They can buy weapons to try to kill us. And that didn't make any sense to me. And it doesn't make any sense to the American people. Final point, you can't talk about energy without talking about climate change. Um, the climate is changing. It's changing in my state. Our sea levels are going up about a foot a, uh, a century. There, there are a multitude of reasons for it. Uh, we need to address it. But I see, and I think these colleagues of mine see, the changes in our climate as a discrete scientific problem. Unlike President Biden and Secretary Kerry and the other Trotsky-like wokers, they see climate change as a religion. And you can't talk about it unless you follow their dogma. It's much like their new critical race theory. Um, and it's not popular with the American people. And it's not going to solve the problems that we face in terms of the changes that are taking place in our climate. Uh, this plan will. And they're already changing. And it's not just in energy, folks. Everything is about everything. It all impacts. It all impacts everything and everybody at every level. It's not isolated. You can't deal with what we are dealing with now, pushed downstream by this administration, without out impacting most of, if not every area of our lives. Prime example, you heard Senator Kennedy talking about uh, the cost that are involved and the fact that yeah, we still have the same cost, basically. We have to buy our goods and products. We have to buy our energy that we consume. But because we are no longer producing all of the energy that every American needs ourselves, we're reducing 
according to this administration and the policies that they've already pushed out, we are reducing our energy production, which means we got to go get it from somebody else. There were no plans in the Biden administration and his campaign about how to make a transition away from carbon energy sources to whatever other sources he wanted to take us to. He just on day one, literally day one as president, he just began ripping the carbon fuel energy industry to pieces in the United States. And the next day, guess what? We've got to get that from somewhere else because we're not buying it from ourselves now. we got to go buy it from other countries. Who did we start buying it from? For the first time in decades, guess what? The guy that Hillary Clinton and every Democrat was saying was Donald Trump's buddy, Vladimir Putin. The first month Joe Biden was president, we bought 6 million barrels of oil from Russia. We hadn't bought an ounce of oil from Russia in decades. The next month, 7 million barrels. The next month, 8 million barrels. And we're leveling off now at about 9 million barrels a month from Russia. That's oil that they wouldn't necessarily have sold to anyone else. We became a big customer of Vladimir Putin. And so Biden on this trip overseas to uh, the G7 summit the day after that he went and kissed the hand of uh, the Pope, uh, he's over there begging, publicly begging for OPEC to start producing more oil, which is going to lower the price of oil and gasoline at the pump for Americans. So they're telling our energy producers here, even reduce your production further. Folks, when you look at this and you listen to it, if you're a reasoning person, somebody that thinks through, the first thing you ought to ask is, why are they doing this? Why are they doing this? First of all, why did Biden cancel everything? And we know the big reason was because he promised the far left for their votes when he was running for president that he would do that if he was elected. He said throughout his campaign, it shouldn't have surprised anybody. On day one in office, I'm going to cancel the XL pipeline contract. Well, that's what he did. But when he did that, that was the beginning of the dominoes beginning to fall across the American energy industry. He not only canceled the XL pipeline, he canceled the ability for oil companies in the United States to keep and continuing leasing land that is oil-producing land within federal properties. National Forest. We're the biggest property owner in the United States. We, the people, the federal government. And millions of barrels of oil are taking taken out of the ground. These big Oil companies have done it for decades, and they sell it, and they pay the federal government for those leases. In other words, they pay the American people. It's not happening for free. In other words, they're not doing it, and we're getting robbed. We're not. That's been going on for decades, for several generations. And he cut that off. And it was just beginning of this process, and now, once again, we're dependent upon foreign countries for our energy. When we were selling our excess oil and gas to other countries under Donald Trump. But remember, he was in collusion with the Russians. No, he wasn't. 
And we're finding out now he really wasn't, but we are also finding out now who really was. Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden, yada, yada, yada. So you know this energy cost thing, it's impacting everybody. This inflation thing is impacting everybody. You know who really doesn't care? The liberal left. A large family, a large American family was featured on CNN yesterday. And this family was on camera discussing the rising cost of their basic groceries, things like milk. And so they were on CNN explaining how this Biden inflation is directly impacting them, even in their groceries. And so what happened on CNN? This family began to be mocked, and by others also, to demonstrate the squeeze of inflation and supply chain issues on every one of us. It was on CNN's New Day. They featured the Stotlers, S-T-O-T-L-E-R-S. That's a Texas couple looking after nine kids. Two of them, only two of them are their biological kids. They've adopted six more and have one foster child. So Krista Stotler, the mom, she said she started seeing prices rising this summer and it was costing them an extra $100 a week on groceries. That's 400 bucks a month. When this started, she said a gallon of milk was $1.99. Now it's $2.79 a gallon. So when you buy 12 gallons a week times four weeks, that's a lot of money. It doesn't take a brain surgeon to figure out how much that is. And she said that on camera as her husband Larry added that he feels guilty that they were being forced to buy less healthy food to save money. So, as liberals often do, they just jumped on the segment, appeared to mock the family and the family's concerns, saying things like this, 12 gallons of milk a week may sound like a lot, but they've actually had to cut out their milk baths on alternate days. That was snarked by New York Magazine's Jonathan Chait. The New York Times account on crossword puzzles also got into the act, tweeting and deleting then, quote, Sorry, I can't do today's crossword. I'm too busy carrying my 12 gallons of milk home. CNN anchor Brianna Keelers, she tweeted on the segment, it got thousands of responses, many of them from left-wing accounts mocking the family for even buying that much milk. They got a bunch of kids, folks. Some didn't appear to realize the size of their family. Well, they didn't care. They didn't listen. All they saw was a chance to go after a conservative family. Some didn't even appear to realize the size of the family, which was only apparent if you watched the segment. Nobody mentioning that she thought P.F. Chang's was the healthy stuff. That was a joke by Rex Chapman, who's a left-wing Twitter personality. Who buys 48 gallons a month? Daily Beast contributing editor Goldie Taylor wondered. I mean, I'm, I'm looking down, I'm scrolling down the page, looking at, at tweet after tweet, Facebook post after Facebook post, people making fun of other Americans that are struggling with this inflation that just came upon us quickly, very quickly, and we knew it was coming. Other reporters and pundits deemed CNN for the segment finally, 
Some said they couldn't be right about milk that cheap earlier this year, and the family wasn't indicative of a typical American household. It's unclear what average grocery costs have been in the Stotler, Dallas area town in which they live. But these hard leftists, they're just impossible. It's certainly possible that the Stotlers got a gallon of milk for a buck ninety-nine at some point on sale, and the two seventy-nine price as of today is what a gallon of Kroger brand two percent milk cost at the Texas store shown in the CNN clip. That's according to Kroger's website. Vice reported that, while they argued it wasn't due to crisis inflation levels. The Stotlers may be wrong about the significance of random milk price fluctuations but their angst over inflation and the general state of the economy is shared by millions of Americans. Finally, somebody got to the context of what's important. Ex-McMara Santoro, the CNN correspondent who interviewed the family, blasted critics of the piece, saying it was remarkable how many were trying to dunk on a charming family who lays out how it feels to shop with prices rising. Glad you're all weathering the economy so well, he wrote to his fellow media members. At one point in the segment, as she checks out from her local Kroger, Krista Stotler noted the bill is already at $90 with a lot of groceries still left, but reminds herself, God is good and always provides. Let me just, let me just finish by saying this. I relate to her. I relate to her. Now, our kids are, our three kids are, Long gone. They're all in their 40s. Golly, that means I'm old. But when I go to the grocery store now, and the way Marianne and I handle it, she still does most of it, but I go to the store quite a bit. Often we go together. Just one of those things we enjoy, being together outside of our house. And I watch, and I see, and I get disturbed at some of the prices we're paying now that six months ago, were far less than they are now. And of course, there's always reasons for it. This supply chain delay, the cost of getting stuff transported, yada, 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 on and on and on. But you can't just explain away all of it, folks. There's a lot of wrongdoing going on. There's a lot of government pushdown that is unnecessary. And Americans are paying the price. And instead of being sitting up on your high horses, looking down at the plebes that are down on the bottom of the hill below you that are begging and hoping that someday they can reach your heights of accomplishment and where you live. I get all that. But let me tell you what else I get about this class of Americans that call themselves journalists. They're not. Well, they are Americans, but they're not journalists. They're hardcore politician mouthpieces and nothing more than that. They are tickled to death to be looked at by the leadership on the side of the left politically as being good and worthy of passing out the totalitarian, and it is, and becomes more every day a totalitarian message by the far left and political power here in the United States. And they feel like they're blessed and honored to be able to be part of the leadership in this country when what they're doing is demeaning good American families that are just trying to make it. That's the world in which we live.
and I don't see it getting any better anytime soon. Ready, set. ABC Tonight, it's all about big cash. Here we go. And big crash. <laughs> On the new season of Celebrity Wheel of Fortune, one star will spin it. Give me some money. To win it all. The big winner of $1 million. Then, host Leslie Jones is off to the races on Supermarket Suite. On your cart, get set, yeah! And we're going to need a cleanup on every aisle. You are on fire! It all starts tonight, 8, 7 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. What up, y'all? It's DJ Envy, and I'm teaming up with Turtle Wax this summer to make sure your rides are clean, shiny, protected, and even disinfected. Because whether you're hitting the streets or heading out on the highway to the beach, Turtle Wax will make sure your vehicle is looking, smelling, and feeling amazing. Turtle Wax is the only brand that I trust with my fleet of supercars. And y'all know how many cars I keep in my garage, right? Check out TurtleWax.com to learn more and be sure to buy now at TurtleWax.com or anywhere you shop for car care. Duncan is putting a whole new spin on pumpkin at Duncan with our new pumpkin cream cold brew. Smooth, bold, cold brew topped with velvety pumpkin cream cold foam made with cinnamon and nutmeg spices. And there's more pumpkin for you to love, like the delicious fall classic, our pumpkin spice signature latte. Rich espresso topped with whipped cream, caramel drizzle, and cinnamon sugar. That's how we pumpkin at Duncan. Sip into the fall season with the new pumpkin cream cold brew or pumpkin spice signature latte. America runs on Duncan. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply. Not just political, not just lifestyle, but always relevant. See and hear it first at truthnewsnet.org. Now you have um, you have heard about and you heard firsthand. Joe Biden rolled out his mask. Excuse me his vaccine mandate on September 9th, and it was for only for companies with 99 employees or more, 100 people or more. And, I mean, they keep telling us, oh, it only applies to just, you know, a small number of companies in the nation. The small businesses, they're exempt from this. Well, guess what got leaked out yesterday? You knew this was going to happen. Now, we are told the Biden administration is contemplating making the mandate effective for employers who employ 99 employees or fewer. According to OSHA, the federal rule released on Thursday, the agency is seeking comment to help the agency determine if smaller employers with fewer than 100 employees can implement a coronavirus vaccine mandate without undue disruption. Now, let me ask you this. In in a business, running a business, small business, what is the number one thing that is always foremost in the conversation about what's important in your company? Employees. In fact, the smaller the company, the more important the people that work there are. The number of people that work there, who's there, what they do when they're there, what they're qualified to do, and what they're not qualified to do. Those are the important things. Somebody in government doesn't have a clue about that because they would even say, we're going to send out a question to determine if smaller employers with fewer than 100 employees can implement a coronavirus vaccine mandate without undue disruption. Folks, they're about to see what undue disruption in work in every corporation is going to look like when the government mandates fire people. 
it's not going to be pretty. The cost of everything is going to go up. Your ability to get things done quickly, get goods, get services, get it done quickly, to be smoothly running your life the way that you've been accustomed to in the United States of America. Everything is about to become a struggle under this president. Everything is. You want to order a cake for a birthday party tomorrow or the next day? You should have ordered it two weeks ago because we don't have enough people coming in to keep up with the influx of orders. You want to get your oil and filter changed in your car because you found out you got to go on a trip tomorrow. You won't be able to get it done because they don't have employees at the place where you normally get it done sufficient in number to take care of your car. we got to make an appointment for two weeks out. That is beginning to happen more and more now. But when these people start getting laid off from these employers or people that don't want the companies don't want to lay them off, but they have to because the employee refuses to get vaccinated, it's going to be chaos across the nation. I will bet you. And even before all this happens, listen to what happened in the third quarter. It came out overnight. Labor cost in America surged in the third quarter while, and this is even the worst stat to come out, labor costs go up, productivity goes down at its sharpest pace since 1981. Now, what's the overarching message this sends to the nation? It's signs that high inflation is going to be here for a while. We're not even at high inflation numbers now, but we're going to get there and they're going to be here for a while. The Labor Department said that unit labor costs, the price of labor per single unit of output, increased at an 8.3% annualized rate last quarter after rising at 1.1% in the April-June quarter. Outside the COVID distortions in 2020, folks, the jump in labor costs last quarter was the largest since the first quarter of 2014. Labor costs advanced at a 4.8% rate compared to just a year ago. And that's way over what was being forecasted by the economist. That's bad news, folks. And as I said, it's only going to get worse. One thing before we leave, I got to tell you, an audit was released yesterday in Wisconsin. Listen to this. Wisconsin could have counted enough illegal votes to tip the 2020 election to Biden. In other words, they turned votes in, apparently. And we'll get to the details of this over the weekend and bring you this story either on Sunday or we'll bring it back up on Monday's show. But that could have tipped Wisconsin to Joe Biden in 2020. Oh, it's a big lie, Dan. It's a big lie. (laughs) Folks, you guys have a great weekend. Thanks for sharing this with us. I look forward to meeting with you again. Be careful and don't sweat it. We're going to be okay. We'll see you Monday right here at TNN Live. Have a great one. Sitting by a foggy window Staring at the pouring Memories of love
Where we can 